everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are talking about our core values, our core vision of what we are as a church here at Market Street Church. And boy, we just want to make those a priority. There's a lot of differences. We all come from different backgrounds, different experiences, uh, different places in, in, in our life. But yet, there's some things as Jesus followers that we need to be core to us, that things that need to be a priority for us. So over the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about uh, some things that are just our core to, uh, to, to our church specifically, our church family, this community of faith. Um, we, we are saying it this way, that uh, we want to know what it looks like you know, for, for us to, um, you know, to take our mission to the market, take our mission to the market, because that's what we are. We're on mission. We want to take what we hear in the seats to the streets, because that's what we're supposed to do and be as, as Jesus followers. We take what we hear, what we learn, what God has to say to us right here, right now, and take those to the street. And we want to just be the church. That's really what it looks like. It's just being the church. So, so we've been looking at what we call core vision or core values. You can look at it that way, or core vision. And, and we sort of taken that idea and saying, you know, we need to make some revision you know, we need to, there needs to be some things in our life where we make some revisions uh, in our life. And so um, what Sean read uh, this morning was, you, he, as he introduced it, the Great Commission, right? And if you want to sum up Christianity or being a Jesus follower, it's, you can sum it up in two ways. Uh, the Great Commandment, you know, the Great Commandment. Jesus said, a new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's a Great Commandment. And then before he ascended into the heaven and where he is now in the right hand of God, uh, that he's given us the great commission, the great commission, and, and, and to go, right? To go, and, 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 and that word go means as you're going, right? As you're going, you know, make disciples, make disciples. What does that mean? It means, you know, to, to introduce people to the faith, the saving faith that you have in Jesus is to make disciples. Before they were called Christians, they were just simply called disciples. Uh, they were followers of Jesus. That's what they were. And so Jesus saying, I want you to go. As you're going, I want you to make disciples. And, and as Sean mentioned too, to be baptized, right? To be baptized. And there's nothing more uh, amazing than it is, like Sean mentioned, to be able to stand up in front of people, you know, and, and as he mentioned, in a sort of a vulnerable state you know, soaking wet and proclaim your faith. And what baptism is, is baptism is the picture. It's a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It's an outward expression of an inward faith that you say, Jesus died for me. Jesus really died and he was buried and Jesus resurrected from the grave. And I just want you to know that that's what baptism is. So Jesus is going, I want you to go and make disciples. And then I want you to baptize them. There would be, there's nothing greater in, in, as, a, as a Jesus follower than you being being a part of somebody getting baptized, you getting baptized, but then can you imagine if you are now baptizing somebody that you led to Jesus? How cool is that? That's incredible. And then to teach them, you're, just, you're, you're teaching them. Jesus said, I want you to teach them. 
you know, all that I commanded you. And so you're, you're walking along the way with them and you're sharing some things from, from this word, you know, that are, that are a priority, that are important, that matter, that make a difference, that bring life change. That's what this, this does. And you're teaching people that. I'm telling you, this is what you and I have been called to do. You and I have been invited in on that mission. And really, that's where I want us to start uh, today is that I want you to know that you are invited, that you are invited, that you are invited into this process, that you are invited into this mission, that, you, that God has given you a place in it. And, and here's what I know, man, being invited to something is a good feeling, isn't it? You know what isn't a good feeling? When you're not invited to something, right? Anybody ever go on social media and you see all your friends doing something? You're like, why didn't I get invited to that? Like, where, where did I, why come I didn't get to get a chance to go, you know, to that? And so all of us have had that feeling. I remember uh, many years ago, almost 20 years ago, I'll say, uh, I was invited to go and speak uh, at a chapel at Spring Arbor uh, University. And it just was called, it was just, they just named it Spring Arbor University. But b- prior to that, it was Spring Arbor College, Spring Arbor College. And so I show up and I'm you know, getting ready to speak and, and uh, they invite me up on, onto the, on stage. And, and there's literally thousands of, of college students here at this, at this university. And I'm nervous, you know, this I'm like just getting into this thing called, you know, ministry and, and this thing called preaching and I'm super nervous and, and I'm getting in front, I get in front of these thousands of college students, you know, and I don't know if you've ever been a room in a room with a thousand college students, but you just never know what's going to happen. You just don't know, you know, it, it could get crazy. And so, um, so I was nervous and I said, well, hello, Spring Arbor College. And then they all yell back at me, university, university. Now, I'm so nervous that I think that they're saying, I hate you, I hate you, but they weren't. They were just saying, they were just being polite and correcting me saying, university, university, oh, uh, uh," you know, so I, like at that point, you know, I don't even know what I said for the next 30 minutes. You know, I'm like, I I was done for, you know, they're now yelling back at me. I think that they're saying that they hate me and it was, it, it probably didn't go well. Needless to say, I was never invited back to Spring Arbor University. Now, I thought I did okay. Like, I left there going, that wasn't too bad. Like, I opened the Bible and shared some, some truth, and they never invited me back. So, um, which I understand, I understand. But it's, how, how cool is it, though? How amazing is it that we can, and we are invited into the story of redemption. Isn't that amazing? That you are, John, you are invited to be a part of that. That you are invited to be a part of that. And, and this is Jesus' mission, right? Jesus' mission is in Luke 19, 10, right? He says, this is his, he says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He says that, Jesus says, that's why I'm here. The context of this, of this passage is, you know, Zacchaeus, you know the story. Remember the, the little Zacchaeus, he was short. He was a wee little man. Wee little man was he, you know, and he couldn't see because he was wee and he couldn't see. And so he climbed up a sycamore tree. I, I know this is a great song. It's a great song. And so he climbs up a sycamore tree and he, cause he can't see cause he's, he's a wee little man. And so he, 
Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down, come on down. Like Zacchaeus was like this chief tax collector, which if you know anything about your, you know, your Bible history, you'll know that people hated those people. They hate, Jew, Jews especially hated tax collectors. They were the our, you know, public enemy number one. And, and, and here's Jesus, large crowd, sees Zacchaeus up in a tree and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. I, I'm, I'm, Jesus literally invited himself over. How rude is that for you sometimes, right? When people invite themselves over to your house, you're like, I, okay, I guess you can come over. Like, hold on, give me 10 minutes to shove all of my trash in the, in the closet, right? Anybody ever do that unexpected? Like, give me a minute, and you're just shoving all of your stuff, is hiding it away and closing doors and, and then yelling at them, don't go in there, don't go in there. Like, like, Jesus is like, I'm coming over, I'm coming over. And Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus and, and all the people that are watching this are going, what are you doing, Jesus? You don't, do you know who he is? He's like the chief among tax collectors. He's like on top of the pyramid scheme of scam. And Jesus is like, I'm just going to seek and to save those who are lost. That's what I'm doing. John wrote it this way. John says in John 12, he says, I've come as light into the world so that, no one who, so that no one who believes in me will remain in darkness. He says, if anyone hears my teachings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Isn't this amazing? You and I get to be invited in to the light. You and I get to be invited into what Jesus wants to do and is doing in this world. William Temple, who is an Archbishop of Canterbury, brilliant man, he says, the church is, is the only cooperative society in the world that exists for the benefit of its non-members. Like, I don't know if you think that by becoming a member here at Market Street Church, you know, that you're going to get a front row seat or if, because we're Baptists or have Baptist roots, you can get a back row seat. That's, that's what you prefer. But listen, here's the deal. Like when it comes to our mission, when it comes to what we are as, a, as a Jesus followers, that we exist for the benefit of those who are not members, that we, and we don't even call it membership around here, we call it partnership. Because we're partners in this mission. Like if you want to be a part of this ministry, I'm so pumped about that. That's, a, that's incredible. I love that. But listen, you're, you just understand that you're just, all you're doing is signing up to be a partner in what we're doing in our community and however far God allows us to have reach. That's why we exist. And Jesus is going, come on, you're invited into this story called redemption. You're invited in. You could be a part of it. He tells us this in Matthew 5. He says this, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. He says, salt is, you know this, salt is a purifier. Salt is a preservative. And salt also brings out the flavor in something, right? That's what salt does. It brings out the flavor. It brings you as salt, I as salt, you and I get to bring out the best in people, or at least we should. We should. You and I are preservative. 
You and I are the ones that are meant to be in this world, a preservative for this world. But he says, but if, this, if, if salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. And then he says this, he says, if you don't connect with salt, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He says, you're light. He's nor do people, uh, yeah, you are the light of the world. They say, yeah, next verse, 15, sorry. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand and give it light to all who are in the house. He says, verse 16, your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. You know, Jesus is telling you and I, you and I are invited into this. He's saying that you are salty. Now, this is not a bad thing. This doesn't mean that you're supposed to be salty. Christians are good at being salty, but in a bad way. But you're supposed to be salty in the fact that you are supposed to bring out the best. We are supposed to bring out the best in others. That we're to be a preservative, a purifying you know, people in this world. You know, you and I are supposed to be salty and you and I are supposed to be shiny. So be salty and be shiny because we've been invited. We've been invited. And the thing about Jesus is, Jesus commonly, Jesus commonly influenced those whom others rejected and invited them in to be a part of his redemption mission. That's the great thing. That's the great news about Jesus. He says, those that were outcasts, those that wanted, nobody wanted anything to do with, those like, like Zacchaeus and, and, and those who were you know, considered to be prostitutes or, or, or those who, you know, who, were, who were considered to be you know, just you know, removed from society and removed from culture. Jesus would, would influence those who others rejected who others set aside, who others said, you have no place here, you have no purpose here, you, you shouldn't even exist in this life, and Jesus would invite them in to be a part of his redemption mission. This is the gospel. This is the story of God. You and I are invited in to the plan and the purposes and the mission of God. You're welcome, you're invited, you get to be a part of it. How amazing is that for all? Of us. Now, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. You have influence. You have influence. You have people in your life. You have people in your sphere of life, in your place, wherever you work, or in your home, or you know where you where you do life, and people that you spend time with, your relationships, your kids, your spouse, your your friends, your coworkers. You have influence. You have influence. So do you know why Market Street Church exists? It, it's, it has very little to do with me and Katie. It has very little to do. Market Street Church exists. Why we, we gather, why we have, why we exist as a, as a, as a ministry is because of a lot of influence that people have had. A lot of influence. For example, you know, um, my, my pastor, 
You know, I, when I was a teenager, you know, in high school, you know, I, he, he approached me, initiated, approached me and said, hey, I have this, we have this gymnasium at, at, at the church. You're welcome to use it any time that you, we want. And I was like, I was a basketball player. I love basketball. And I said, you're telling me that anytime I want to go play basketball, I can go. He says, yeah. He says, bring as many of your friends that you want. And so one day I called him up and I said, hey, I got my, my team, my, my high school team that needs somewhere to do some workouts. Can, do you mind if we use the gymnasium? He was extremely excited. And I, at the time, I didn't understand why. And he's like, absolutely. And he was make sure that the building was open for us, that we, we went in there and we got to play ball, me and, me and some of the, you know, my friends and, and teammates that I went to high school with. And, and he, he came in and he brought like, I don't know, waters and Gatorade and snacks. Like he just brought, he just came in and brought all these things. And, and from that point, him and I, we started having a relationship. And then at that point, God was in the process of working on my heart. And so I said, Hey, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to have a burden for some of my friends and my teammates about their relationship with the Lord. I said, I feel like I have a relationship with God or I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I'm not sure if my friends know them. I said, do you mind, do you mind if I invite them over to my house? And I sort of, again, I was like a teenager and I sort of like a, like a pulled the rug underneath them kind of a situation. I told my friends that we were gonna have a boating day. My, my parents had a boat at the time. I told my friends that we were gonna have a boating day. This is not a tactic that I would encourage you to do, uh, but this is... This is what I did at that time. So I said, hey guys, why don't you guys come over? We're gonna, we're gonna go out on the boat. And then so I had, I had a, my, all my close friends come over. We're getting ready to go out on a boat. And then I called my pastor. I said, hey, I've got my friends coming over thinking that they're gonna go out on a boat. Would you come over and share the gospel with them? He's like, sure. <laughs> So he comes over, I've got my friends there, they're thinking they're going out on the boat, here comes my pastor in, into my parents' house and he's sharing the gospel with them. And they weren't mad, they, weren't like, they didn't like stop being my friend, but they, there was an opportunity that I just wanted to invite them in to the story of God and I just wanted to be an influence on their life because my pastor was an influence on my life. And there was people in my life, I wish I could say that I was a consistent Jesus follower. You know, as I continued to grow, God was doing a lot of work in my life. I eventually went to college and I wasn't a great Jesus follower in college, my early days in, in, of, of those, those years. And, and um, I was so grateful that there was a teammate that I had on my team. His name is Josh Graves. And Josh Graves was an incredible follower of Jesus, just consistent in his faith. And, and yet he was just this college kid Kid, but yet he just wanted to honor God in his life. And he invited me to be a part of this, this college men's Bible study that he was leading on, on campus. And he said, hey, why don't you just come and why don't you just be, you know, sit in on us on, you know, and sit in with us. And, and man, I would just love to just encourage you and pray with you. And this and I'm telling you, and now Josh is, at, is, is a pastor. He pastors a mega church in, in Tennessee, uh, somewhere in Tennessee. And, but here was a guy that was an incredible, incredible influence on my life. And I'm standing here today because of people like that. Of course, my parents, my parents, you know, you know my parents are first generation Christians. My parents didn't grow up, uh, neither of them, they didn't grow up in a Christian home. 
And, and I, I was asking my parents, you know, this week about, you know, their story of how they came to know faith and, uh, you know, just re, sort of being reminded because I, I heard it, you know, bits and pieces of it before. And, and so my dad was, I asked my dad, I said, dad, who influenced you? Who influenced you? He said this, he said, he said, you know, he goes, um, I, I was, went to work. I, he worked at General Motors truck and bus in Pontiac. He said, I would go to work. He said, I was an inspector of vehicles. He says that my coworker, her name was Irene. And he says, Irene would talk to me about her faith. And she would talk to me about how, you know, she goes to church. She would talk to, and she, and she, he goes, and she finally invited me and your mom to a movie night at a church. And so they, she invited them to go to a church um, and where they were playing the movie. Maybe you're familiar with it. I never saw it. A Thief in the Night. Maybe you're familiar with that, with that film. You're like, maybe you're looking at me going, why haven't you seen that film? It's a, it's a good one. I haven't seen it. But they, they invited them to come to see that movie, A Thief in the Night, which was a, a, basically a portrayal of the gospel of, of Jesus. That night, they went to this movie night they were there, they watched the movie. My dad was telling me, reliving the experience, how he's, my, he's hearing my mom crying next to him. And then she said, and then they, they gave a, uh, an invitation to come and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And while that was happening, my mom says to my dad, I've got to go, I've got to go. And my dad's thinking she's upset. She wants to leave. She wants to go home. But then, no, what my mom meant was I need to go and I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so my mom, yeah, yeah, you could clap for that. That's amazing. That's incredible. Invited into the story of God. My, my mom goes forward. My dad goes forward. They receive Jesus for the first time in their life and they are invited into the redemption story of God. Now, why did that happen? That happened because people, one person specifically, a GM worker named Irene was living out her faith and saying, you should come and you should join the story of God because it's the best place to live. We're here because of people like Irene. And we're here because of countless other people in my life and in your life that has influenced you and me to be a Jesus follower. You have no idea what you can do in somebody that you have a counter with or an experience with or a relationship with or do life with. And this is exactly what Jesus meant when he said, go, go. As you're going, influence, influence, influence. And maybe it's your children or your grandchildren or, your, or some other family member or it's your spouse or maybe it's a colleague, coworker, whoever it is. God has given you influence and power to 
share and to give the hope that we have in Jesus. And the invitation is open to every single person to say, yeah, I'm invited in to the story of God. And it's the best part of this life. It's the only way to go about this life is to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Listen to me. You have influence. You have influence. And everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. One day Jesus was walking towards Samaria. And Jesus and disciples are, they're just following Jesus and Jesus is heading towards Samaria. And they're going, why are we going into Samaria? We don't like the Samaritans and the Samaritans don't like us. And Jesus stops off at this well, Jacob's well, and, and the disciples go on ahead into some Samaritan town named Sychar to get some food. And Jesus stops off at this well and he begins to have a conversation with this Samaritan woman. You know the story. And he's talking to her about what it means to, you know, to have a fountain of living water, right? And he's telling her the truth. And the truth of the matter is, is that um, he's, he's telling, him in verse 13, telling her in verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. So he's, he's just reminding her that the water that she's trying to draw from, that she's gonna continually be thirsty, and he's just giving her this, this picture and he's giving us this picture that what this world has to give will always continue to leave us thirsty. That if you're trying to find satisfaction or fulfillment in, in this world, it will, it will never satisfy. It will always leave you empty. If you think that, man, if my husband was just a better person or if I just had more money in my bank account or if I just had a nicer car or a better job, we think all these things that we think that this world can give us that will never satisfy. Jesus is telling her, listen, you can keep drawing from this well. You can keep drawing from this well, but you'll, you'll continue to be thirsty. You'll continue to be thirsty. And then he tells her this in verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty, but the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. And Jesus is telling her, I'm what I can give you, what I can provide for you, you're never gonna thirst again. This world, you'll continue to be thirsty. You keep searching and seeking and trying to find things in this world that will satisfy, it never will be enough. But Jesus is going, come on, what I have for you, you'll never be thirsty again. It will fill that God void in you that no other idol in this world can satisfy. And so Jesus starts saying, hey, why don't you call your husband to come and join us. And she, and she responds and says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, that's right. You had five husbands and now you're on number six. And of course, her response is this. The woman said to her, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> I mean, talk about a messy life. 
Five husbands on number six. Here she is at the well drawing water when nobody else is drawing water. You know why? Because of her, of her shame. Because, of, because she's, she feels like rejected and, and you know, people are looking down on her. People are talking behind her back. And so she's showing up to the well when she's hoping not to run into anybody. And now all of a sudden she runs into this Jewish rabbi who's willing to have a conversation with her, which never happens. That never happened. Jewish men never had conversations with women, period, let alone a Samaritan woman. And rabbis never had public conversation with women at all. But Jesus said, I, I have a lost soul here that I went through Samaria to seek after. And I want her to know that the water that she's trying to draw from in this world one man, two men, three men, four men, five men. You go on and on and on. That was her thing. I don't know what your thing is, but that was her thing. But I know that you have a thing and I have a thing that we keep trying to draw from. And it will never, ever fulfill. Never. And Jesus is going, come on. You don't need another. You just need me. You don't need to find draw there. You just need me. You don't need more money. You just need me. You don't need a better job. You just need me. You don't need to be a better version of you. You just need to me. You just need me. And she says, and Jesus is saying, listen, I, I'm more than a prophet. I'm more than a prophet. And she responds in verse, skip down to verse 25. It says, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. He will declare all the, everything that we need to know about this life. He's got the answers for it. And look at Jesus said to her, verse 26. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking to you. And she had to have been just floored you, you're the Christ. You're, what you're, you're saying right now is you're the one that is declaring all things and that you not only are a man talking to a woman, but you're a, a rabbi talking to a Samaritan woman. You are God incarnate on planet earth, found me at a well, and you're telling me that I can be invited in to you. And Jesus would say, I am doing that. I am doing that. And he's doing that for all of us. It doesn't matter where you draw from or what you, where you, you think that fulfillment or satisfaction comes in. Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you into something better than that. And so the woman, knowing that she's invited into this, says in verse 28, so the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the people, look, look she said, come, See a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is he? And so she meets Jesus. She has a real faith experience with Jesus, a, a real life change moment with Jesus. And she symbolically 
spiritually lays down her water pots where she was trying to draw from another source of fulfillment. She lays those down and she's now going into her home city, which by the way, she's on husband number six. You don't think people know about her story in that city? But it didn't matter to her because she met Jesus. She met Jesus and everything changed for her. What her, the shame that she felt was no longer there. The guilt that she felt was no longer there. The, the care in the world of what people thought about her was no longer there. She just wanted people to know him. So she goes back into Sychar, which by the way, where the disciples were getting lunch. Side note, don't be out to lunch on the mission of God. <laughs> don't be out to lunch on the mission of God. And she goes into her city and she said, I found him. It's him. The one that's going to declare to us all things. He's, he's at the well. Come see a man who told me all things that I have done. What a message, huh? Like, I, I saw, I found the guy, and you know what he did? He told me all the things that I have done. Yet he still invited me in. Like, he knows everything about me. There was no secrets with him. Nothing was hidden. He exposed everything and yet he still loves me and he still invites me in to his plan. You need to come and see him. Right? Right? I mean, I, th I thought about that actually. I actually had that thought this week. I'm just gonna stand up to you and I'm just gonna tell you what Jesus did for me. And here's what Jesus did for me. He told me everything that I have ever done and he loves me. Have a great Sunday. I thought about doing that. You know why? Because that testimony is so powerful. Isn't it? Everything that he's, he knows. No secrets. No hiding. He knows me and he loves me. He knows your past. He knows your decisions. He knows your poor choices. He knows that you walked away and you're trying to figure out how to make your way back. He loves you and he's standing there going, come on, I'm here. I've got this. You keep trying to run to the pig pen of life and the father is at home going, come on, come home. Because here is the fountain of living water that you will never, ever, ever thirst again. Come on. She goes and tells him, look at it. Now from that city, many Samaritans believed in him because of what? Because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all things that I have done. That's her story. That's her story. I, I, and they go, whoa. 
He knows everything that you have done and he still loves you? And the people in Samaria at Sychar are going, I've got to meet this guy. And many just believe because of what she said. She said. If anybody in that city had very little influence, it was her. Agree? If anybody had little influence or thought that they didn't have any influence, she did. She had enough influence because of what Jesus did for her. For people in her city to go, he is the fountain of living water. And when I draw from him, I will never thirst again. It says in verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them and he stayed there for two days. They invited him to stay. How good of a news is that for us? Like when you invite Jesus to stay in your life, he does. Hey, Jesus, will you stay with us? Sure. Jesus, will you be with us? Sure. And you know what the good news for us is? He stays more than two days. He's with you every day. And many more, verse 41, many more believe because of his word, because of his word. Now look what happens. This is so cool. This is so cool because this is helpful for us. Verse 42. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one truly is the savior of the world. Now here's, here's, what, here's the principle. You can invite to. You can invite. You are invited, right? You are invited. You have influence and you can invite. Just like that woman did. She went to her people with as little of influence that she had, told them about what she experienced with Jesus. And she said, I want to invite you into that too. You and I have been called to do that. You can invite, you can invite. You have that place, you have that opportunity for you to go, okay, Jesus, you made a difference in my life. Now I want people to see that and experience that for themselves. So invite, invite people into that. Go and be bold as you're going, making disciples, which is what our great commission is. Go and say, hey, this is what Jesus has done for me. It's just like Irene at General Motors. She was Irene at General Motors as an inspector on mission. On mission. J Irene showed up to General Motors. She saw Russ Doak and said, that guy needs Jesus. And she was on mission. And she said, hey, Russ, there's this movie playing. You might like it. 
you should invite your wife to come and to see this movie. And you know what Russ and Diane Doke did? They were invited and then they, sh- they showed up. And then they met Jesus. And they no longer need, Di- or excuse me, they no longer need Irene to help them be Jesus followers. They met Jesus for themselves and it made a world of a difference. I'm here today because of that. You understand? But it starts, it starts with you going, I don't know, hey, um, my church is doing this thing or, or hey, here's a novel idea. Our church meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. <laughs> like we got like stuff for kids. We, we, your kids are gonna be taken care of. They're gonna be safe. There's, it's, you know, the pastors, you know, you'll get used to them, you know. <laughs> First thing you say. But it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's not about what I have to say. It's about what Jesus wants to say. I've said this a hundred times. I'm overrated. You're overrated. But the Holy Spirit is never overrated. And the Holy Spirit uses a mess of situations to work in someone's heart. But it starts with you and an invitation It's where it starts. Invitation. Hey, you're welcome here. Bigger than that, you're welcome into the story of God. You're welcome into that. You're invited into that. It starts with us. It starts with us. Jesus influenced others. Jesus influenced others in their space before he invited them into his space space it's about influence and you have it influence others in their space and then you can invite them into your space why why do that I don't know because hopefully you've experienced life change hopefully you've experienced life change And you want them to experience life change as well. Because our invitation, our invitation is not about explaining something. It's about experiencing someone. That's what it's about. You don't have to know all your Bible. You don't have to understand Revelation and, you know, Leviticus. You're just inviting them into after you've influenced, you're inviting them into meeting and experiencing a someone named Jesus who is the fountain of living water, who's the only one that will satisfy your thirsty soul. That's it. Father, You told us everything 
about ourselves. You know everything. Nothing is in secret. You know all of our failures. You know all of our poor choices. You know all of our decisions. Yet you still invited us in to your great commission and to be on mission. And God, you say that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world. And I pray, Lord, that we know that we have influence because you've declared to us that we are salt and we are light and we have influence. And I pray, Lord, that we use our influence that only reflects who you are and your glory and that you are inviting every single person into your story of redemption. That you have given all of us the ministry of reconciliation. That you've placed on all of us the, the calling as, as we're going to make disciples. And that's just simply just maybe just inviting somebody to come into your faith community world. Not because you can best explain something, but so that they can experience a someone. We thank you for allowing us to experience your son named Jesus, who is the hope of the world, the savior of the world and the fulfillment of every longing that we have in our soul. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday.